Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. How are you this morning, Dr. Paul? Doing well, doing good. well. Good. And we spend a lot of time talking about the war against viruses. Yes. But uh, that's been defeated. No more viruses. They're all cold viruses, and you just need to be a little patient. Yeah. And they'll all go away, except for the man-made creations and the monsters and the side effects. So the results of the treatment of this cold virus may last for a long, long time. But anyway, we talk a lot about that. We may mention this today, but we do want to talk about, you know, a a big summit. I mean, our president, our diplomatic president is about to talk with another major leader in the world. He's going to be talking on the telephone with Putin. But I was wondering with you a little while ago, wonder wonder who monitors that. Wonder, you know, when he's speaking and gets himself into a little trouble, he usually has somebody that, that guides him around. Yeah, yeah. But when they're on the telephone, I don't know how that works. Maybe the interpreter takes care of it or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, uh, it may be still going on right now, but the plan was that they would talk today and they wanted to... Uh, uh, they, they they want to talk about East-West relationships. They want to talk about Ukraine and, and this sort of thing. It is a subject that we certainly have talked about in the past. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, in t- 2014, when the uh, uh, coup that we organized occurred and we got rid of a, a you know a democratic leader can you can you me can you believe we undermine a democratic elected leader and put put our own guy in yeah. there so uh, but that was done by the the uh, rather notorious Victoria Newland along with Jeffrey Fiat and these they, they they're the two that had that very well-known phone call yeah I mean the evidence is so strong a lot of this stuff lasts for a long time rumors rumors and maybe they did it but this was one where it was absolutely positive and they were totally guilty of orchestrating this coup not that we were surprised but it was uh, it was good that the evidence uh, revealed exactly how we work our foreign policy but today the diplomacy is uh, once again east-west you know the the coup occurred in 2014 uh, and yet we're still worrying about it and and uh, you know it's a result of a false promise that we made after the world war war where we had promised and nato has indicated that we aren't going to put weapons on east europe uh, pestering and antagonizing russia and uh and yet that's been happening it's still going on there's the the threat uh that biden wants to move more troops closer to the area uh, I've often wondered why the Eastern Europeans go along with our foreign policy, because, you know, if there's t- to be an invasion, they're actually talking about the possibility of an invasion of Russian troops, which uh, I don't think we're on the verge of that. But then again, if it is an invasion of troops uh, and Russia wants to defend their borders, it's going to be Eastern Europe. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. But anyway, this what we're looking at here, and it continues to go on, is the, the result results of an interventionist foreign policy which is designed and controlled and promoted by the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. It's bipartisan. And they have a few friends out there in the uh, financial arena. Uh, The uh, uh, military-industrial complex seems to be able to influence 
Republicans and Democrats. So they watch these things very carefully. And uh, no matter what happens on this discussion today, there's going to be a reason for us to make sure next week the NDAA gets passed and we will be providing for weapons for the next war that, that nobody knows. It, nobody is convinced it's necessary and nobody knows exactly what will occur. But the policies that we have had for all these years usually have ended up badly. For instance, the, the worst example of 10 years in Afghanistan didn't make any sense. So that's the result of the policy. And right now, uh, who knows what will happen, but I'm not predicting that because uh, the two of them will be speaking today that all of a sudden world peace will break out mm. and uh, things will be get better. Well, they're speaking as we speak right now, actually. And let's put up that first clip. This was released by the Kremlin. This is them having their little Zoom meeting here. Uh, here's Biden waving. Hey, Putin, how you doing? What's <laughs> up? Well, the U.S. side says Biden will talk as long as necessary to solve these problems. Somehow, Dr. Paul, I don't mean to <laughs> criticize our president's stamina, but unless there's a good supply of ice cream cones, I think it's going to be a short meeting between the two of them because uh, although Putin you know, is notorious for his three or four hour press conferences, which I don't think any world leader could do, Biden is known for his two or three minute press conferences after which he staggers off the stage. But you know, this, um, you know, this all goes back to 2014, as you say, where the U.S. did arrange, and it is on tape, there's a phone call, uh, it is on tape, uh, arranged the overthrow of a democratically elected government. And as you mentioned yesterday in your column, this you know, alone makes the U.S. Democracy Summit a joke, I think you said, yeah. because we are undermining democracy, and it's not just Ukraine, but everywhere else. But as we know, it's a fact. The U.S. overthrew the government in Kiev, uh, an elected government, and put in a government that it wanted. It handpicked the leaders it wanted. And that new government went into eastern Ukraine, the Donbass, and said, and this is 90% Russian, they all vote for the president that was overthrown, so their leader was kicked out. They went in and started slaughtering these people. They prohibited their language. Uh, they were extraordinarily aggressive, and Russia did intervene and ended it temporarily. But <clears throat> what we have the situation now is, it's on Russia's border, as we know, but the U.S. and NATO, they send in troops into Ukraine, they send in weapons, they send in high-tech weapons. These Turkish drones are very dangerous. They send all these things into Ukraine. Ukraine puts them on the border with Russia, and then the U.S. screams about Russian aggression. <laughs> so this is, this is how it goes. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with the summit. I don't know if it'll turn down, because I don't think Washington wants no. to turn it down. Well, there's a lot of interests over there, the West, the Europeans, Americans, and NATO versus uh, Russia. And, um, you, you know, I think about, uh, you, you know, the great de de Democratic leader, and I'm being facetious, Woodrow Wilson. Uh, you know, he, he, uh, his whole goal was to make the world safe for democracy. And uh, a few people died because he worked hard at it. And it turned out it wasn't so safe after all because there's been a lot of, a lot of killings since we've had Woodrow Wilson as president. But one thing that uh, Wilson said at the... Uh, at that time was uh, the w one of the benefits will be that he endorses the principle of self-determination. So that means the people in Ukraine, if he were here, he would say, yes, just let them have a referendum. Just let them have a vote. Maybe, maybe the referendum would say the solution is dividing the two. 
get get the Europeans out of there, get the Americans out of there, get the Russians out of there. Just let them have a referendum. Self-determination, a radical idea. Yeah. And uh, and what would happen? Probably they'd have two countries, and uh, and maybe they wouldn't even have to be countries. Maybe they could be associated in a different manner, worked out peacefully, and uh, and this would work. But that's not what's happening. It's always you know, preparations for more antagonism and more bases. And uh, and here Biden is, is going to warn Putin today, be prepared. We're, we're moving more troops near Russian border. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and of course, this is, this is the, the whole problem. And uh, the people who do that aren't necessarily, oh, I like to see the killing. I want to murder a lot of people. If you know the consequence seems that way, sometimes it's just political power and money and profits. I would say that's a, a big motivator on both sides for this. And, uh, you, you know, uh, a, a self, uh, self-defense, defense of one's own country might be more strong on one side or the other. Right now, it looks like uh, since World War II, the Russians have been more on the defensive of expansion. Uh, I mean, wh- wh- why? Uh, why are the Russians not in the Gulf of Mexico? We're in the we're in the Black Sea. Yeah. But, but nobody wants to make that same comparison. So, uh, and and that uh, unless that is understood, unless the words that were pronounced by Woodrow Wilson were were met, uh, said in sincerity, I mean, we're not going to move away from this type of confrontation. Yeah. You know the. Um the reality is that projection is really the only consistent U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, yeah. Accusing other countries of doing what the U.S. is actually doing, aggression, overthrowing democracies, putting troops on borders. Uh, that's the only consistent U.S. foreign policy. Let's put up this next clip, though, because this is also how the media plays the game, too. They love the bluster. They love to really puff up. Here's NBC News. Biden to warn Putin of very real costs <laughs> should Russia take military action against Ukraine. What exactly might that be, NBC News? Are we going to go have a nuclear war because there's a border dispute six, 7,000 miles away? Uh, and as you say, the next one, let's put this up too because this is from Zero Hedge and it's also Dave DeCamp of antiwar.com. Uh, Biden to warn Putin is, Biden to warn Putin U.S. is prepared to move U.S. troops near Russia's border. Now, is that not aggression? To me, it looks like aggression. But the thing is, Dr. Paul, what can they do? Are, is Biden willing to start? I mean, he's done a lot of dumb things so far in his presidency. Starting a world war is not one of them, thankfully. Is he really willing to do that? I don't think so. But we do know one thing, that Putin is clear. If Ukraine attacks Donbass, Russia will end it. And it'll end it very quickly. Because the Ukrainian army is a lot like the Afghanistan army, right? <laughs> uh, as soon as the st- shots start getting fired, they're going to disappear. Um, I could be wrong. I seriously doubt that Russia will invade Donbass out of the blue, saying, hey, this looks like fun. Let's do this today. You know, I just everything that we've seen from Putin for all of his faults, he doesn't do dumb things like that. And if he did, I would be shocked. But, you know, the previous president, Trump, just remember all the hatred expressed toward him and how dangerous he was. you know, he was not uh, on our side on foreign policy. I, I think maybe he has some sympathies for us, but he wasn't quite willing to back off on on some of these issues. But uh, the left, when Trump was in office, 
kept inciting, you know, fear. This guy's ready to drop a bomb. He's ready to start World War III. And uh, he did some things that we warned about. But compared to depending on Biden to make sure that there's no danger spots, that they don't get out of control, uh, I, I would think that uh, under, under Trump, they're looking back, it was probably less to worry about than right now, because even the Democrats don't know what Biden's going to do. You, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's just not, uh, not predictable or rational, and, and that's why there is grave danger there, and they don't follow one principle. The principle that both sides follow is interventionism, which is unpredictable. When you intervene, whether it's economics or social matters or military, it means I'll do what I please. Yeah. I will do one thing one day and something else the next day. So it, that is the case. They, they are unpredictable. Actually, uh, communism over the years have been more predictable yeah. because we, they, you know, the ruthlessness of communism and Nazism was pretty straightforward, and uh, the predictions and concerns usually uh, panned out to be correct. Well, you know, the one rule in Washington is if you if you are an absolute incompetent in foreign policy, there is no doubt you will be promoted. <laughs> that is exactly how to do it. And Victoria Newland is a prime example. She's the one that fomented this war. Thousands were killed. We almost went to, to World War over the Ukraine, uh, undermined democracy. Well, she's back in this administration in an even higher position. She's Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs. Very, very powerful position that she holds. And our friend Phil Giraldi has a good piece in uns.com that I recommend people uh, to read today. And here's the warning that Victoria Newland, the cookie lady, uh, here's a warning that she issued uh, to Russia. Quote, all of NATO allies were in solidarity with Ukraine today and making clear we are resolute in supporting its independence. And we're also resolute in sending the message to Moscow that if it moves again to internally destabilize Russia, Ukraine, or uses its focus to enter the country, that it will be met with high-impact economic measures, the likes of which we have not seen, we have not used before from all of us. So, translation, we're not going to attack you, but we're going to give you more economic sanctions. And I'm sure the Russians are cowering right. in their boots. And, and this philosophy we're talking about uh, is, is just not uh, directed at this moment against Russia and Eastern Europe because we have other concerns. As a matter of fact, I think if uh, we took a poll, the American people are probably more concerned about, you know, what's going on with China. Of course, most Americans right now, unfortunately, put all the blame on China rather than saying, look, when we look at what happened with Russia, you know, we, we uh, you know, carried out the coup and stirred up all this trouble. And then we backed down on the promise that we would not put bases and NATO would stay away from Russian borders. But uh, it's much easier to propagandize against China. And uh, right now, there, there's a, a reflection of this idea that we have to protect, uh, you know, our interests. That always bothers me. Why are we there? We're there to protect American interests and American constitution, American freedom, so that we have to do these things, which is nothing more than uh, just, uh, you, you know, hyperbole, you know, just talking because, you know, fighting non uh, un, the unconstitutional wars uh, to protect our Constitution uh, does, never made any sense to me. But what, what's going on here with China right now, there's a, there's a few things. Just, just unnecessarily, 
you know, I always thought that and, and still believe that one way people might soften antagonism between two countries would be let the young people play sports yeah. and uh, see what see what happens. And that's why theoretically the Olympics is a good idea. But here. Uh, the, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics are coming up in China. U.S. announces diplomatic boycott of Beijing Winter Olympics. Well, who's going to gain by that? <laughs> Is there any gain whatsoever? It, it negates any chance that people could talk. And then I think back of Carter's. Carter's, as far as I'm concerned, was one of his biggest mistakes. You know, after the the Soviets marched into Afghanistan, he, he said, well, all right, we're not going to go to uh, go to Russia for the Olympics and we boycott and wouldn't even let all those young people who had trained. Uh, so that, and that, that's what it leads to. At the same time, here we're expressing grave concern. U.S. officials claim China is seeking a military base on Africa's west coast. Mm. Well, I don't like that idea, but why are they doing that? And how does that compare to uh, us putting bases, you know, in the Far East and demanding, you know, uh, uh, certain things be done in the South China Sea and sending warships over there to see if you can bump into somebody yeah. and nobody notice? So this is so unnecessary. And they say, well, it's freedom of the seas and we have to prove it. We Because if we don't do this, they're, they're liable to put a, uh, put a base closer to us <laughs> and if you look at the bases we have around Iran uh, and uh, you, you know throughout the world and around Russia for that matter yeah. it's uh, it's uh, it's it's really more pro provocation than anything else well as uh, as Duraldi writes in his piece today the the NDAA which I think you referenced in uh, your last segment uh, is being held up for the first time. It's usually an automatic must-pass, must-pass. And that's where you throw all the junk in because they know it has to pass. Yeah. It's being held up the first time by, by the GOP going against the Democrats. But it's not because they think there's too much spending and too much <laughs> war. There's not enough. The two sticking points. We need to re-sanction the Nord Stream 2 pipeline because we don't dare let the Europeans get some Russian oil. <laughs> and then second, we must ban imports from China's Xinjiang region because the Chinese are in there slaughtering all of those Uyghurs, both of which are uh, very stupid reasons to hold it up. But here, just to quote Phil again, because this is, I think, the main point of this piece, or certainly the point that I think is most important, the complete ineptness of U.S. diplomacy also contributes to the sense of threat. Logically, Washington should be playing off Russia against China to diminish any danger of war against the two hostile great powers, but instead it has chosen to antagonize both of them. So, I mean, it's the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, the, the Republicans and Democrats really want to pass the NDAA because yeah. that's a lot of money, but they have to, they have to pretend. So the Democrats come in, we'll embarrass the Republicans. What, what we'll do is we'll solve our problems with the debt. We'll just stick stick the increase in the debt limit and nobody will have really have to vote on that because everybody wants the money for the military and uh but the republicans uh, pretend oh no that doesn't fit our fiscal conservative viewpoints <laughs> so no we're we're not going to allow them to sneak in that increase in the national debt but um a libertarian wouldn't have much trouble knowing what to do with a bill like this <laughs> yeah. Well, should we move on to just one of our one uh, of our periodic uh, little talks about hypocrisy and lunacy? Uh, Let's put up this next clip to start it off, if we can. Here we go. Oregon moves to make indoor mask mandate. 
permanent. Wear your mask forever in Oregon. Uh, and the governor is interesting. Let's put out that next clip. Here is the governor of Oregon when she's in Oregon. Now have a look at that mask and tell me that this is a stable, sane person. This is the governor of Oregon in Oregon. Let's put on the next one. This is the governor of Oregon in Washington. No mask, no social distancing. She's here at a LGBTQ Victory Fund 30th anniversary gala without mask. Her message to Oregonians, put that rag on your face. Her message to herself, hey, let's have a good time. You know, I've been thinking about health matters here. She probably um, is less healthy and more likely spread disease with that mask on yeah, than nothing. <laughs> but, but there they go. And it, you, you used the right word. Uh, pure hypocrisy is, yeah. is what they do. What, what, what a mess that is. And, you know, uh, I can understand it now because I read that he was she is the most unpopular governor in the, in the country. Now, oh, that, really? That's good. Now that's, that's, <laughs> how do you achieve such an honor as that? You know, oh, wow. we, we have, well, Cuomo's gone, you know, so maybe that maybe she was second. <laughs> now she's first. But yeah. uh, what, a, what a shame. But it is the hypocrisy. We noticed over this past year of pointing out hypocrisy has uh, called attention to a lot, of, a lot of people say, boy, that really bugs me, yeah. you know, because they say one thing and do something else laws are written for the peons and yeah. they have to listen and we will enforce the laws but uh, no um, the, the law the laws are not for them they're special and when you look at how the judicial system work yeah uh, the judicial system is so sick you know it, it's so partisan and you know in the way that works is uh, what has gone on especially since uh, 2016 all the way through now it still happens I mean when you look at the uh, terrible way the people have been treated that have so well, so uh, so far been considered serious, dangerous criminals on January 6th of last yeah. year. Boy, what a tragedy that, yeah. that yeah. is. And yet they all do it with, uh, you know, no remorse and they do it with, oh, and they do it with a sense of, of uh, achievement yeah. uh, that they've been able to pull this off. So the better the lie, uh, the more achievement they have. Yeah. So hopefully a little bit of ridicule now and then, now and then will wake up some people and say, you know, that's that's true. If if they really believe mass work, why do they do this? Yeah. You know, they they don't really believe that. And uh, it, well, it, the, the people should ask, what is the purpose of this? And then when it comes to putting those masks on the kids, where it becomes the most atrocious argument that it's really for the kids and it's moving along quickly now Fauci wants to put masks on little kids and uh, that if nothing else uh, doesn't wake up people you know the, this forcing mask we won't worry about the governor we'll let her wear her mask and not somebody else has to deal with her but the whole idea of a national law making everybody wear a mask and, and including the kids and little kids too uh, people should wake up. Even if you don't have children of your own, just the fact that concern should, it just uh, as, as a humane thing, you should say, this is enough is enough, and this have a referendum. Maybe the referendum is coming. Maybe it'll be next year. But they should stand up. And in the meantime, there is a lot more resistance 
to all this and the numbers are growing more resistant so that's the only tool we have that and ideological explaining why liberty is a better program than authoritarianism but that is uh, that is that is something we can do that immediately and a lot of people are doing it immediately we uh, Daniel had a little encouragement with our meetings this past weekend yeah. there's a lot of people there that though there we, we dealt with 300 or so people they represented and I'd said at the time that yeah. I believed each one of them represented a thousand people Easily. that they represent. And we have no idea how strong the movement is. But I would say that uh, things are moving in the right direction, but we need to speed it up. Yeah, speed it up. Well, I'm just going to end because this is the last week. This is your last chance to get Dr. Paul's Making Sense of Current Political Idiocies as a gift from the Ron Paul Institute to you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation of $50 will get you a book, and $100 will get you a signed book from Ron Paul. So act now. We, we have to cut it off because we want to do our very, very best to get it to you by Christmas, and I think we can, but midnight, Sunday night, we're going to have to close it out so we can do that. Uh, I know you hopefully want to support the Ron Paul Institute, uh, and we want to give you this gift. So I'll put a link in the description to show you how you can do it, and thank you for your support. Very good. And like always, I want to express my deep appreciation for all our supporters because obviously uh, we uh, work sometimes what we call a shoestring, but we do well when, when, when it's necessary, people will come and support us and that's the encouragement. And of course, we get paid sometimes differently than other people. You know, when we met uh, this weekend with so many supporters, just their expression of gratitude and support, actually, I guess maybe it's my own ego. I sort of like it, but it's encouragement because if, if nobody shows up or if all you hear is the left coming from you, we need to cancel you. You know, uh, you, you have to have a strong will under those conditions. But more and more people are saying, keep going, keep going. And that is the reason we appreciate your support because that is... Uh, indeed part of our reimbursement and, and a sign of a thank you for, to, to us for making this effort. But I do appreciate very much you tuning in regularly to the Liberty Report and please return soon.